Welcome to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. Each week we talk about heart rate variability and how it can be used to improve your overall health and wellness. Please consider the information in this podcast for your informational use and not medical advice. Please see your medical provider to apply any of the strategies outlined in this episode. Heart Rate Variability Podcast is a production of Optimal LLC and Optimal HRV. Check us out at OptimalHRV.com. Please enjoy the show. Welcome, friends, to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. I am Matt Bennett. I'm here with Greg Elliott today. Um, Greg, I am so excited to have on the podcast because uh, I can say with great pride that I am a student of Greg's uh, through the Elite Academy's Foundation of Heart Rate Variability as I was trying to figure out how to integrate certain solutions that were on the market uh, into the mental health trauma world. Uh, I needed to learn what the heck HRV was, and I went to Greg's course. Uh, I believe I I watched it twice, and then I kept it on repeat uh, on my dog walks for a few weeks at a time. So uh, it is a great honor to have my teacher and somebody I've really admired over the years uh, and excited to talk about his current work as well. So so Greg, besides being uh, my teacher, uh, I'd love to uh, just do a quick introduction before we uh, start nerding out about your work. No, absolutely. Thanks for, for having me on. And, and it's always great to hear stories of, of, again, the main purpose of the course was just to be able to kind of get the message out about heart rate variability and kind of like the, you know, the whole understanding out for people to understand its its value uh, from the very basic standpoint. So it's great. You, you got a lot out of it. And, and uh, you know, I think it's, it's grown a lot of uh, people's, um, you know, companies and, and, um, you know, for new companies and, and everything that we did. So it's, it's been, a, it was a, a great little project that Jason and I, uh, worked on. I'm glad you, you definitely got a lot out of it, but, um, yeah, thanks for, for having me on. It's, um, it's, uh, been a decade of, of using heart rate variability now. Uh, I can actually officially say that in, in, in clinical practice. Uh, so I'm an exercise physiologist, uh, kinesiologist and an osteopath in uh, Vancouver, Canada. Uh, using heart rate variability, like I said, for for a very long period of time for for various t- types of populations, um, and um, you know, really trying to be able to my main you know um, um, path over the last uh, little while is to be able to just kind of spread the word about, about heart rate variability and and mainly to show people how to use it from a practical application. Sometimes it get, can get a little confusing and um, uh, a very uh, yeah, nuanced in regards to heart rate variability, and so I try to provide some clarity around. How can you utilize this marker uh, for your population or for you to kind of get the most out of your health and well-being? Awesome. So I would love to go back to the beginning 10 years or so ago. What what was your what initially got you excited uh, about heart rate variability? So I got introduced to it first um, in my master's thesis. And so uh, my master's thesis was around non-invasive ways of measuring heart function. And, and we're trying to validate a specific device during exercise. And so I started reaching, uh, researching around various non-invasive ways of measuring um, heart function in general. And, and so at the time, heart rate variability was there. Uh, I thought it was a really cool kind of marker, included it, uh, some of it in, into my um, my thesis into there. And, and so it was always kind of front of mind. And, and when I graduated and came back home in, in 2013, you know, uh, I started seeing it more and more kind of, you know, come out with the, the, the people that I respected into the field. I'm like, okay, well, what is this thing? And like, how is this more applied into kind of the general population? 
uh, into that. And at the time in 2013, it was it was really obviously um, heavily involved with you know high performing athletes. You talk yeah. about the companies that were around were uh, BioForce by Joel Jameson. You talk about Omega Wave uh, from their athlete out, out of the UK. So there was a, there was a lot of the um, you know, all geared around to the high performance aspect of it all. Um, and so me being me, obviously I wanted to dive in even more and kind of understand more of like, well, what is more about this marker and, and everything uh, to better understand. And I started to look at majority of the papers and research that was out there and started to realize it really came from, you know, from, from health. It came from, you know, overall people suffering from, you know, um, you know, heart attacks or various health issues uh, to deal with the heart in particular. And I started to think, well, why is this? And, and, Started to realize the impact that it had on on health more than than anything. Yeah, and uh, so uh, I, I was very intrigued by that, and and um, uh, went to go down, met with Joel to kind of get some devices, kind of you know to be able to play around with what's going on. Because at the time, it wasn't as accessible as it is right. today. Uh, you had to you know uh, get a package or an app that that costs uh, a significant amount of money, and so I got a few down and started to. Uh, you know, test with my friends and coworkers and things like that, and my aha moment. Um, with heart rate variability was I had it on, on a few of my colleagues at, at work and, and and one of them came in one day and said, Hey, Greg, you know, my, my HRVs and usually uh, I'll just throw out numbers around 80. Uh, and today it was 50. Like, why is that? Why, why is that? I feel fine. Everything's normal. I go, I, I have no idea. I, I couldn't tell <laughs> you, right. Like I was just trying to learn what's going on. And I was, I was very kind of like, I, I have no idea. Um, and this was really early in the morning we started it was about six o'clock that this happened. And so it was, it was about an hour after she woke up that, uh, you know, she came to, to work, um, literally an hour or two later, um, she had to cancel the rest of her day and go home cause she was so sick. Wow. So many symptoms, like stuff, nose, all like coughing yeah. and, and literally went home and I go, Oh, wow. Like it, it relatively before she felt any symptoms was kind of predicting that something was going on with her body. Yeah. Right. And I was like, how that like, how is this possible? Right. So I started to, you know, digging more into it. And that kind of spurred the whole thing of really starting to get understanding of how, how this necessarily could be applied. Cause at the moment, it's kind of like, it was like, is today already a good day to train or not? Right. I started to realize that it can indicate something to do with, you know, other than training or something to do with, with inflammation or sickness. I was, I was very intrigued. And that kind of spurred into looking at all sorts of, of populations um, uh, into that and, and, and now using it. Uh, primarily with, um, you know, in my practice is primarily, um, you know, chronic pain type of, of populations, you know, people with fibromyalgia or longstanding you know, pains where they don't necessarily have a, 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 like anything medically wrong, but there's something kind of, you know, dysfunctional um, uh, that they're, they're going through. And so that's kind of uh, where I've kind of put my, my focus into and also also supporting people that are looking at all sorts of areas of, of health. Well, what I, I mean, I'm curious about what that that and it sounds like there was a shift from kind of like the the peak performance uh, arena to, you know, chronic pain, other things that, you know, so the average person might encounter at some point in their life. I, I wonder, like, what was that transition like as you sort of moved into because I, to me, that's where the real I think the elite athletes have led the way uh, in this arena and given us uh, the everyday person a, a nice role model to say, well, if LeBron James does this, maybe it's something I can pay attention to in my own life. I'd love to hear, like, as as you evolved in your career, just kind of how you know HRV went along with you in that evolution. 
Yeah, it was, I mean, it was very hard initially, uh, especially when talking to different colleagues and different practitioners and things like that. Uh, like I said, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that took the, the foundations course. And so we had like cardiologists take the course and be like, oh, I had no idea about these, this, you know, this information. <laughs> I had that same experience. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and then I'm like, wow, like, is it, this, you, you haven't learned about this or anything. So it was, it's it was been a, around a, for a few decades now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so, and even to a point of, they, they didn't necessarily realize of how we would translate to clinical practice or how it would work. Yeah. And, and so um, it was a very difficult transition to say from a professional standpoint, to get people understanding of kind of what this is. Right. Yeah. And, and I, and I'm so happy now that I don't have to go around being like, so heart rate <laughs> variability is, and to go with the super basics and people go, well, I thought my heart rate was supposed to be like a metronome. And, and so like, it's more yeah. commonplace now of understanding that we need a more variable heart rate, uh, uh at rest to indicate some, some positive health outcomes. So, which was, which was fantastic. So from a professional standpoint, it, it took a little bit of um, a massaging with people, a little bit of understanding for them to take, you know, take a deep dive in, into that. Um, and then from a clinical practice perspective, you know, I just, I just tried to find something because to me, what, what the difficulty uh, was, is that obviously with certain conditions that we deal with, we have some objective markers of, of, of progress, right? We have yeah. some, um, you know, we can look at blood markers, we can look at this and that. And, and so for people that are suffering from certain conditions that I was dealing with, whether it's fatigue or, or chronic pain, things like that, there was nothing for me to be able to kind of determine progress really, other right. than what they're, what they're telling me, right. Post-concussion, all that stuff, the subjective, uh, the, the diagnoses that rely on subjective measures in order to be able to, to determine that. So I thought, Hey, you know, heart rate variability is a good indication of kind of our overall, uh, you know, ability to be in, in, in um, a parasympathetic state, which yeah. we know is associated with health uh, and things like that. And started looking at some of the research is that, hey, you know, if people that have heart disease or cancers or diabetes have lower heart rate variability, maybe right. other diseases would, it would fit that as well. Yeah. And so that's where I started putting heart rate variability on people that, uh, you know, at the time, there was not a lot of research around of saying it would be a benefit people with chronic pain, people with, you know, chronic fatigue, or these kind of, as we, you know, quote, invisible type of illnesses, whether yeah. it's PTSD or depression, kind of these right. more mood type of, of symptomologies to put them on uh, this thing and say, can we use this marker to be able to kind of have an objective marker that we're, we're making the right decisions, we're doing the right stuff, we're doing the right things to making sure that we're we're on the right track, right? Because that's a it's a very difficult thing and with with that type of population is to determine like, you know, is doing the meditation actually beneficial? Is the breath, breath work you're doing actually making long-term changes? Is the manual therapy I'm providing, is the exercise that I'm giving you, is it the right dosage at the right time with the right response? And so this was able to give me some of that kind of very high level feedback from these individuals. Um, you know, to, to give that one marker. And this is, you know, the, the what I love about heart rate variability to me is, is it's kind of that like overall umbrella marker that we can kind of look at from a, a single data point uh, of saying like things are, things are progressing uh, or things are, are not progressing as much. Yeah. I love that. And, and, you know, your, your work and I'd love for you to talk about it at health QB as well. Like I, I love from, from our conversation and uh, just like looking at the, the work you're doing now is it's it seems like I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think I'm pretty safe to say a very holistic approach to this. And, and that that's what I, I, I love where like looking at what you're doing, I, I just kind of like, yeah, how's heart rate variability sort of fit into what, what I see with your team now, a real holistic approach to a healthy individual, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, um, with with all, I think you have thirty factors uh, 
of what you're uh, looking at. I'd love to just see how, how heart rate variability fits in there. Yeah, so it's it's I mean the the big thing about uh, you know it all started with the the, the foundations course was yeah. was you know people have an idea of kind of like from a heart rate variability or health perspective they have certain silos that they, that they look into right yeah. it's you know uh, and I always ask this funny enough in in any interview that I you know for hiring a team member and things like that I always ask like what is health to you like what is what does it mean to be healthy right and I'm always surprised by the answers because. To me, it's like there's certain things that I would say in reverse of what health would be, yeah. right? And, and to a degree where, you know, I get, you know, to the point of, of you know, eating the right foods, uh, I get to the point of, of being happy and content. Uh, I I would get to the point of, you know, you know, being around family and having good social life. It, it was always very all over the place in regards to, to health, right? Yeah. And so to look at health as a, as a holistic type of, of model, you got to take into all these kind of you know, factors that you know, people need in order to be, you know, healthy, right? Yeah. And so it, it comprises a lot of the biopsychosocial, uh, spiritual type of, of components. And so uh, the the biggest struggle, and this came from a struggle clinically to me, was, you know, using heart rate variability, doing that type of uh, information, we see something that, that, you know, they have a very low heart rate variability comparatively to their demographics or yeah. where they should be, right? Um, but they've optimized their sleep as much as they can. They've done their, they're dialed in with the nutrition or doing 90% of it of, of what they should be doing. And they're getting a, a regular amount of physical activity, but their heart rate variability is still low. Right. And it's, it was, it was like, how do I bridge that conversation of understanding how people's psychological and social habits actually impact their health and well-being? Because sometimes with the type A personalities that we deal with, they don't want to necessarily want to hear that it's, it's their stress management. They don't deal with stress well. And or I would imagine not, of, not the typical approach kind of from your at least educational background and i don't want to like say you never think about that stuff but a definite expansion uh well it's it's not as weighted as heavily that, uh, that's 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 how i should have put it uh yes yeah but it, it's not weighted as heavily in regards to its impact on people's health and well-being yeah. and, it's, and it's and it's two degrees like absolutely you can make massive improvements in your health when it comes right. to looking at your sleep with your nutrition and looking yeah. at your physical activity but you can also make massive improvements to your health from, from the psychosocial aspects of what's right. going on and so i want to be able to present that in a non-judgmental way because i don't want to go to see go to someone and be like hey do you realize that your high power job that you have a poor relationship with your kids and the fact that you travel all the time is actually impacting your health, even though you're doing some other things that are absolutely fantastic, right? Yeah. Because it's it's it comes across sometimes like I'm, I'm almost like a personal attack. I'm like, well, how do I be able to kind of bridge that conversation through a medium that would be able to to do that? And to me, it's like through data, right? That's how my head works, right? And so with this, with the the company that we started, I want to be able to kind of have this holistic view of the standardized model of saying, okay, if we looked at everything, you know, relative to one another in regards to its impact on health. Can we determine which specific area of your health and well-being needs to be addressed more than others? Can we prioritize what's going on purely based on the data that we can we can accumulate? So it's not like this, it's my opinion versus theirs. Right. It's literally something that is not judgmental, that it's their answers of saying, hey, look where you are compared to where you should be. And let's start to be able to address those things. So that's how kind of everything necessarily came about. And we start to realize the impact of... of um, you know, dealing with this, this holistic type of model on people's, on people's health. Um, and we are seeing obviously phenomenal results. And, and, and I think the biggest thing is that people are becoming aware of like what health actually means. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love this too, because it, what, what heart, like from, because I come from that mental health perspective 
Uh, which again is what what do we weigh? Well, we weigh heavily talk therapy, uh, you know, depression scales, anxiety scale, you know, and, and what I loved and your course really uh, challenged me to think this way. And it was one of those initial sparks is like, you know, and, and the folks who listen to this podcast are going to be tired that, yeah, take a drink, everybody. Matt's going to talk about his ceiling. But if I don't talk about like sleep, movement, uh, you know, nutrition, areas I started out with no expertise on, I really set a, a ceiling on how much I could could help people. So it's like, it brings where you and I could have existed in the world, caring about the same things, but maybe never having a shared vocabulary, this little biometric brings us together to learn from each other. And I, I just like, that's the whole exciting thing about this journey in so many ways. It's like, oh, there's so much I can learn from Greg that I could actually bring into the mental health world. And now it looks a little different, but it's, or does Greg enter my treatment team in a different way. And that, that to me is like that the exciting piece of where we're at is that we're starting to look at the body as sort of this holistic system. And then this rhythm of your heart, he gives you data on that entire system. And I just find that such a cool place to be uh, in this time uh, that we're in. Oh, I love it. And, and, and like, again, you know, going through this, you know, from, from a clinical perspective, I always say to the person, you know, based on my assessments, based on the results, I want to make sure they're in the right room. Yeah. I know what I'm good at. Right. Yeah. I, and I am very aware of what I'm not good at. Yeah. Right. And I want to make sure that like, if I go down my, with my lens that we're going down the right path right. for this specific person. Right. And so uh, this is where heart rate variability has been a great feedback mechanism saying I'm doing my things at this type of stuff. I use it in conjunction, this kind of holistic marker. I can have, you know, when it comes to movement, I do my movement data that I have and I kind of go through that process of going through that. If those things are necessarily improving, but we're, we're but we're not necessarily moving the needle in heart rate variability. And, and this person's goal is health and longevity. And I kind of go, well, maybe we're not doing the right things at right now. Like, let's start to be able to figure out what their areas because you know, uh, it's it sometimes, you know, with professionals, we'll say with osteopathy for me, people go, oh, if I do osteopathy, I can impact a person's health and well-being with everything that I possibly can. I, I have all the tools necessary for me. But in my head, I always went to the point, well, well, how do, do dietitians help people then? Right, right, right? exactly. Like, how, how do sleep therapists, how do clinical counselors right. or like those people get people better? Yeah. Right. So like, I don't have all the tools. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. into what's going on. So how can we collaborate with saying, how can we get the person in front of the right type of therapy at the right time yeah. to yeah. go forward? And so that's, that was always my, my approach. And, and, you know, my, my sessions are, my initial sessions are typically 90 minutes when it comes to, because I want to, I want to get this background. I want this person's story right. to understand where they're at and where I feel we can be able to kind of go with this individual or saying like, listen, my opinion is you need to go here first. Yeah. Go go here first. Let's address those things, and then when when that practitioner therapist says it's ready to go, then we can come back into this room and we yeah. can start with our process. But that that's where we need to go first, right? Well, and I love too. It's like, well, you you maybe seeing a dietitian, nutritionist, a therapist, exercise. You know, we're working on the the movement, and maybe gargle and take a hot, cold, alternating shower as well. Like like join a choir. To me, as a mental health, like that's yeah. what it's like. 
maybe a choir might be, I mean, you got that social coherent. I mean, you're just like, it opens up all these things. And gar- I, I've never been a fan of the gag reflex one, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. gargle, like gargle. Like, so, I mean, there, there, there's so many doors that open uh, with this that I, I just think it's like, we're, we're discovering different things about like different approaches, I think, to overall health healing. And I think even disease of looking at this at different, different levels that I really hope will change the Western approach to the medical model. And I don't like demonize the medical model because it saved so many lives. Yet, I think there's so much that this challenges that sort of symptomatic diagnose there's one treatment approach uh that I, I just don't think works for so many people yeah no it's it's and it, it's intriguing like when you know i just saw something that that you know hospitals were designed for for when people have these kind of like you know big injuries or big illnesses yeah. or big sicknesses right and it's obviously being come by our our behaviors and, and how we're dealing with you know, life in general, how our life is, is that these behaviors are breeding these chronic diseases. Like you're not supposed to be at a hospital for like to be there and stay there. Right. You're designed to go there and get something and then leave and be done. Yeah. Right. That's that's the whole point of hospitals is in and out. Right. And we create this model where people are just like constantly there in a constant time because of these, these development of these chronic diseases over that. And, and some of the stats that are kind of like shocking to me, um, was, you know, uh, uh, there's a, a, um, functional medicine doctor that, that, uh, showed the study, where the fact that 93% of Americans now are, are classified as metabolically unhealthy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And to me, the even more shocking factor is there was a big study being done that looked at, you know, some just, you know, very easy predominant health behaviors. When you talk about not smoking, um, you know, having a relative balanced diet, uh, getting a minimum amount of, of, of uh, physical activity and exercise. Um, and and uh, I can't remember the, the, the last one. Um, but there was like four factors. I'll, I'll, I'll send you the study so we can post it yeah, into the, the show notes, but there's these four predominant factors that show like, Hey, if you do these things, like, you know, you're, you're mitigating a lot of risk of, of chronic diseases. And they did a study of like 5,000 uh, Americans to see like how many actually people did these things. Yeah. And you know how many people actually percentage wise, how many people actually did all like four of these basic uh, behaviors. It was 2.7%. Oh gosh. I, I was going to guess 10. Uh, so 2.7%, right. Do all the basic four fundamental uh, yeah. health behaviors, right? And they they looked at the study and kind of go, well, how many people did none of them? Like how many people didn't engage in any of those things? Right. 11%. So four times as many people didn't do any of these health behaviors, not one of them, yeah. comparatively to only right. 2.77 did all four, right? So it's like you're looking at like 97% of the population is doing some sort of of, of uh, in a behavior that's yeah increasing the risk of development of chronic diseases wow yeah and i wonder like so so i I have a couple just like questions i have to ask my teacher as a follow-up to the course so uh, one is i i would love to get because it just seems to me like something we need to learn to talk about that every research study i've come out with and i've done some like n of one studies on myself alcohol like like that that to me is like i'm starting to think about it and i know people again it's like matt's talking about but it's like it does seem like it's 
smoking was when I was young. Like you used to be able to smoke on a plane for goodness sakes, like restaurants, you know, I, you know, and even when I was like bar going age, you know, you had to almost come home and burn your clothes after you went out because it was so disgusting. I wonder, like, I, I'd love to get your opinion because I, I believe you mentioned, I mean, alcohol doesn't get any props in the heart rate variability world. And I just kind of wonder how you approach this with folks, because I'm starting to see it as a toxic thing that is we put in our body. And I just I got to take I got to take advantage of my time with you to get your uh, thoughts on this. Yeah, totally. Actually, a good case example about this is that we have somebody on our system that um, was suffering for fibromyalgia and she used alcohol for 13 years as a coping mechanism. Yeah. Right. And um, she understood that it may not be the best thing for her health because, but it's a way for me to deal with my pain, Absolutely. right? Like, yeah. so she goes with the stuff. She started monitoring her HR, HR, HRV. Yeah. And she started to realize the nights that she drank, they started to see the absolute tanking that she had in regards to heart rate variability, right? Yeah. And she's like, it was unbelievable to see the absolute change in my health from an objective standpoint. And from that, it is now since October 31st, she has not had a drink since. Yeah. Right. And and so like it, it's one of those and health kind of just came out to the point of like, oh, there's like, oh, maybe one drink, you know, this or a couple of drinks yeah. a week. Health kind of just came out and said, no drinks. No drink. Yeah. I know. <laughs> That's... Like, no, like it's it's to a point, it's like there's no benefit, right? And because there it, were like at times of two drinks a day. I mean, binary gender roles here, but two for men, one for women. Totally. Uh, was supposed to be good for you that that yeah, well, message that was out there for quite a while even something relatively releasing like the blue zone diets right yeah, yeah, blue yeah. Zone where they said it's like the, the alcohol consumption is a part of that now I, I obviously think that personally has to do with more the social aspect of the, I, yeah. the alcohol than itself and it's not to the point that they're having you know many drinks it may just have a a glass of wine yeah but that social kind of component of, of what's yeah. going on from that perspective it's not like they're that's the only area i also see it hanging on and yeah. I know I've never seen any explanation of why that might be. I, I uninformed people still I, again, and I'm I, I judge being a mental health person talking out of my zone, but like, okay, like thins the blood, maybe, but yeah. that does it? I I think when I hear the blue folks talk, the blue zone folks, I was like, yeah, I haven't kind of looked at the research on this. Like, yeah, and they no. probably do so much other healthy stuff that that doesn't that gets kind of uh, shifted out on the, the negative category, maybe. Totally. And, and I'm starting to see from the ground grassroots, you know, like you, you see certain grassroots movements around various things, right. You know, kind of early on with the mental health, uh, you know, push that that was, uh, you know, before COVID and really exponentially before COVID and just certain things you start to see that just trending in certain directions. And yeah. for sure, when you talk about the high performing individuals and people that are kind of at the forefront of the grow things that are kind of like the CEOs of big companies yeah. that are relatively young, you're starting to see to the point of like, uh, no alcohol for me, like I've stopped. Yeah. Right. And you start to see that more and more that message come through where people are going to alcohol free and, 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 yeah. and, and you know, showing the difficult uh, transition that they're having in a social setting of saying, because, you know, yeah. the number one thing people go and they, or like, you go to a social setting and like, oh, I don't drink. You usually think of like, yeah. there's a reason why. Yeah. 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 Right. That, 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 and uh, I, I'm also eat a plant based diet just for, for a wide, the two things I hate most talking about, like 
because everybody's doing it well you have to talk about how bad they're you know it's just like it is the social aspect um that's why i'm all for having kombucha on tap because oh yeah i like to say give matt his special drink too we're all good (laughs) like make matt drink water while you're having a nice ipa matt gets a little jealous but uh as long as matt gets his special drink too uh we're all good yeah, no, but you're starting to see it push a lot more, right? Even even yeah. to see it, you can see even with with our our company, right? Like yeah. you know, see people more and more having um, that kind of alcohol free lifestyle and see yeah. it more acceptable. And people just yeah, it's it, as more research comes out, it's starting to detrimental effects of, of doing it on a chronic basis, or or even to the point of doing it once, you start to see the what yeah. it actually yeah. does to to your body. HRV is a phenomenal feedback mechanism. Yeah. Uh, I remember back in the day with. Uh, where, where I'm at in my clinical practice, which is fit to train in, in, in Vancouver, um, where we were all measuring heart rate variability. We had a, a, a company party one night. Yeah. And then everyone's sending everyone's HRV results through yeah. <laughs> through the group messaging of like, oh, you'd like, look at the graph, like, look what's going on. And, and uh, you, you see the, the impacts of, of what it has in your body. Right. Absolutely. Amazing thing. So I would also love to know, because it's been a few years now since that foundation training uh, came out. And, and I think that and a lot of other factors have heart rate variability is more pervasive. I mean, you have a student here who started the heart rate variability podcast in part thanks due to uh, your education of me and getting excited about this in the mental health arena. I, I'd love to, what What do you think the, the current state of HRV as somebody who's been really involved in this for, for 10 plus years now. What, I mean, we got the Apple watch out there. We got, yeah. Who's like me who got excited about this now too. Yeah, there's probably a lot more company for better or worse, but I just love, if you looked at the current state of this biometric, I, I love the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, where, where you see uh, the current state being. Yeah, I think the good is the fact that it's becoming uh, more mainstream in regards to the regular consumer understanding, you know, the the value of this type of, of metric. I think that's a good. I think the good is obviously accessibility as well. Mm-hmm. When it comes to, you know, various devices coming out in the market is it, it, they're coming out. Uh, people are saying that they're measuring it. And, and so people are being uh, privy to this type of of uh, infor- information, which, which is which is great. Um, I mean, the bad part is, is I think obviously there's still a lot of education needs to be done for the regular consumer to understand of, of what this, this marker is and how, how much of value it could be. I think because, uh, and this is one of the things that I was trying to be able to, 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 or we're trying to be able to solve is the fact that, you know, you, you have a device that measures heart rate variability, but there's so much data in there. Right? Yeah. There's so much data in regards to you know, respiration rate and steps and activity levels and Fitbit with their activity points. And, yes. and uh, you know, there's, there's so much data that's in there. Right. And we yeah. know through, through, you know, people monitoring um, um, their health through wearables, it's like actionability of data and interpretation of data is kind of the two biggest reasons why right. people abandon it is they just, they just don't know what to do with the data. And then there's just like, well, what is this data? Like, you know, right. what is the value? So it's kind of convoluted and it's kind of put in there without necessarily highlighting it's, its value comparatively to the other metrics and kind of where it sits in conjunction of it all. Yeah. Um, that's to be, uh, uh that and, and, uh, another, the, 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 um, the bad part is, is obviously the, you know, as, as it gets out there more accessible, the, the kind of the quality of the, of the HIV data coming through, I just yeah. tested a, a wearable product. I had four on at one point and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they, my, my team calls me something. It was a, the human cyborg version two. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Was, 
uh, wearing all these devices and things like that. And you start to be able to see of like, even the, you know, the, the, the messaging there from the company, even the fact of like, you know, the engineering is there for the company, the data yeah. that comes in and spits out, you're like, you can't use this. Like comparatively, it's like, it's so far off in regards to its, its actual metrics. It's like, ah, like it's, 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 you know, people are trying to jump the bandwagons, but it's kind of decreasing the quality of the data necessarily that, that comes out. Um, so that's be the, that, and then the ugly, uh, uh, portion of it all. I don't necessarily, that there's too much, uh, uh, of the, uh, ugly component of it all, but I think, I think, um, uh, I, I think obviously the, 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 the application of, of Harvey Beardley, the actual ability is something that seems to be still very segmented in, yeah, in the yeah. fact of like, people have these narrow views and narrow scopes of, in, into how to best improve and have, uh, have certain things and like again like i've seen you know you talk about um interventions that work for people like it's all over the the map like for yeah, me yeah. i remember actually one of the ones that improved my heart variability at a specific time was being more social right and not yeah. social drinking but just right. you know, interacting with people and yeah. being more social i've had it where people have done it obviously through you know constant meditation through through uh cold shower ice baths from journaling i've seen someone actually yeah. have a hundred percent increase in their heart rate variability wow uh, from from <laughs> that, that literally Lisa X practicing therapist smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, and, and this is and I, when I tell that story about the journaling person, and and uh, I'll, I'll I'll give a little case study here. But like when you start to tell the people in the athlete population of it all, or or kind of more that kind of meta biomedical side yeah. of like, like really, like I, I always when I bring that example up, like they're just dumbfounded about like how something like that could be a benefit. So right. give a little bit of a backstory. Is is this is a a user that was wearing uh, a wearable for many months, right? And um, um, she's 38. Uh, so she's the wife of an ex-professional hockey player, um, you know, very well off, yeah. um, you know, a few kids. Uh, and um, But she got Lyme's disease and has been suffering consequences uh, uh, of that, uh, right? And so one of the reasons, you know, uh, working with our team members, uh, she got a uh, she got a, a wearable, started to be able to kind of monitor HRV in, in for months, like two, almost three months of data prior to us doing anything. Um, really, she never had a score above 30 milliseconds in RMSSD, mm. right? Yeah. Great diet. Yeah. Physically active. Sees all the practitioners that kind of, you know, naturopaths and, and uh, doctors and this and that to kind of overcome various things. Uh, uh, you know, tries to get a, a, a decent amount of sleep every single night and things like that. And everything seemed to be good. And I won't give too much uh, away in regards to the, the case study, but it, it had to do more with like understanding her emotions and expressing them in a, yeah. in a, in a more positive way of, of getting out rather than internalizing everything. And so having that purpose and doing that with journaling, uh, she had a, a month where her score was an average of 45. Mm. Wow. When never yeah. having anything higher than 30 ever. That's impressive. Yeah. Right. And that was the only major change. Yeah. Was be able to do that and have conversations with her husband on certain issues and blah blah blah. It was that 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 weight off her shoulders of having some time for her to do Amazing. that and, and making her feel more value. Boom! It's like all of a sudden you you see that that increase yeah. in stay. You're like, okay, there it is. Well, what what a motivator too to 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 get data at that level on that that behavioral adjustment. Well, that's the thing is like, she's like, I've done journaling in the past. And like, I don't yeah. know if it was a benefit. Like, And, and, and this is the right. thing is that like, she saw this data change. She kind of goes, yes. oh, I guess, oh, I guess. Okay. Well now yeah. noticing it's like that feedback that people needed to be able to, to be able to continue that. And she obviously continues that to this day, but it, it's such a, uh, it's such an important feedback mechanism for people that have these more of a subjective 
or non non medical diagnostic uh, from an objective standpoint uh, metric to be able to kind of go off of, just to, to go off of how they feel. Yeah. So so the, the the final question I have for you until your answer brings up two or three more, but uh, yeah. the 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 final one I have to ask you is where where do you see us? five, 10 years from now? Where, where do you, as you look into the future, obviously you're a part of that future doing some amazing work. Where do you see this going? Yeah, I, I, I see, you know, heart rate variability being more integrated in regards to out of, out of clinic, out of patient type of care, yeah. right? Like very much the point of it, it's a great, you know, uh, behavior, uh, easy to obtain, uh, um, uh, behavior modification tool that we can we can be able to assist people uh, in supporting the right you know behavior change and decisions right I don't think it, the future is in diagnostics uh, in regards to diagnosing various things um, I don't think it'd be as specific as, as that but the, from a holistic type of marker I've seen this being an absolutely fantastic way an easy uh, uh, measurement to obtain to be able to make making sure that people are are doing the right things making the right choices and and, and just to be aware of of their health at, at various moments, right? When you talk yeah. about like, you know, the, as, as people come out with more of these continuous, uh, um, continuous wearables that kind of emerges things, it can indicate of saying, Hey, are you stressed right now? Calm down, take these breaths. Like yeah. what, what Leaf is trying to be able to do in regards to their, their, their software. Yeah. Um, you know, you talk about, you know, overall, of, of, you know, making sure that we recover through the day in regards to nocturnal captures of heart rate variability and, and uh, you know, making sure that indicating, hey, you know, your, your body didn't fully recover, make sure that you do this and that today or, you know, whatever, right? It, it's it's more that at a clinic uh, decision making for people um, to to make the right choices and the right decisions and hopefully kind of going towards that more of that prevention type of model. So we hopefully start to be able to shift some of this, you know, the progression, these kind of chronic diseases that are right. becoming more rampant, uh, be able to kind of control those things, uh, you know, outside of having to be in a, in a specific facility, meeting with an individual yeah. uh, all the time. It's, it's that access to higher quality care uh, for people, especially in, in remote populations, are people that may not be as financially well off to be able to spend right. the money to go see somebody about something, yeah. but making healthcare more accessible. Uh, to everybody at a very high level to understand what they need to do to kind of be their own advocate for their health and well-being. Um, and then and then use that feedback mechanism as, as, as with heart rate variability to kind of help them guide uh, the right decisions. So that's where I kind of see a big, a big push um, for you know, heart rate variability in, in particular when it comes to, you know, improving overall quality of life. Love it. I, I, I could ask a million more questions, but I think you ended it on such a beautiful note there. I will not ruin that with a five minute question that I'll just ramble on with. So uh, we'll put information links in the show notes. Just if, if somebody's listening to this, they're in the car, where, where can they find out more about uh, you and your work? Yeah, so um, um, our startup company uh, is called HealthQB. Uh, so it's yourhealthqb.com. Um, we're there. We're kind of in, in in kind of beta stage in regards to to what's going on. So you can kind of check out that. Obviously, the foundations of of heart rate variability course there um, at the Elite HRRV uh, Academy. Uh, you can find them uh, uh, there. Uh, the last part from a clinical standpoint, uh, I work out of a company called Fit to Train. They're they're in Vancouver. Uh, so from a clinical aspect, that's where you can find me as well. All my information is is there to be able to contact me, LinkedIn and Instagram and all that type of stuff to be able to find me. Uh, I'm pretty accessible when it comes to that stuff. So uh, any questions, I'll be sh shooting my way. I'd love to be able to, to talk to anybody that's interested in this stuff. And and uh, I just want to say, Matt, I want you to keep up the phenomenal work that you're doing, trying to promote this stuff. 
uh, again, like you're fighting the good fight of, of trying to get this out there to people understand of how to take control of, uh, of all our lives. And again, my hope with the course is, 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 is to be able to inspire people like you to be able to go out and be able to support this message and to be able to continue to grow it. Right. It's just, yeah. I wanted to facilitate this type of conversation to be had, uh, to be able to keep going. So I'm obviously absolutely loving the work that you're, you're, you're doing. Uh, so please keep up with it. And, uh, as I kind of always say at the end of whether it's podcasts, webinars and things, I, I want to take, thank you, everybody that's listening to take the time out of your day, whether it's, I know you're taking time away from, you know, uh, uh, doing work or, or being with family or whatever necessarily may be. I want to thank uh, Matt, you, and obviously the listeners of, of taking the time to be able to sit down with us to, 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 um, you know, learn more about heart rate variability and how to best help your health. Absolutely. And thank you so much. One of the great things about the, the journey you started me on is, to, to share that, I think, you know, somebody who does a, has made my living over the last uh, decade, decade and a half, just doing trainings, you, you sometimes throw out seeds. I, I, I see that. And sometimes they hit fertile ground and I see that person do, do an amazing work. Other times it may need a wind to blow it and it ends up somewhere else. But uh, I thank you for planning uh, this passion within me and, and really giving a concrete direction to go. And then uh, I, I just, I love the journey that I hit a point in this, that uh, you reached out to me kind of in a non-related way to ask a question. Uh, I had, I was like, Ooh, I, I got, I, I got Greg. And I'd shared with my teammates, like Greg reached out to me. They're like the, the, the course guy. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, so I've got, I'll just shout out to my team, especially Dr. Dave Hopper, a little bit jealous. I got to do this interview, but uh, I just want to thank you for all the great work you've done. And it's, it is an honor to be a student of yours. And I'm excited to continue to learn uh, from the great work that you're doing. No, the bright back at you. I'm excited for what you guys are doing as well. So this is, this is great. Awesome. Well, as always, you can find show notes, Optimal HRV uh, podcast, OptimalHRV.com. Uh, we'll put all Greg's links in there too, so you can get a hold of him and, uh, Greg, audience, thank you so very much, and uh, we'll see you next week.